Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and back after just feels like a couple of days, we've got Logan. How are you, Logan? <laughs> Alex, I'm doing well. I was going to say it feels like yesterday, but uh, yep, here we are and talking about a, a seemingly uh, mirrored result. So we don't uh, don't know how, how fresh the uh, information will be. It feels like a bit of a sense of deja vu, if you will. But that's it. Just just roll the tapes of the uh, discussion of the Stoke game, I guess. Um, I mean, in fairness, I will say about this one, obviously another nil-nil um, against Preston on the weekend. Um, it did feel like that first half, there was a lot of chances where if City, um, I mean, Pelkas in particular, if he had his, his um, shooting boots or his passing boots on a bit better, um, there was the... I mean, obviously, just after the 30 seconds, it was the flick from Oscar to set him through on goal, and it was a poor touch. Um, a bit later in the half, arguably a foul on the Preston defender, but he, he gets through, needs to just square it to Oscar for an easy tap-in. There's a few huge chances there that um, pretty much City, got, uh, City let go begging. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Neil all a game of fine margins, I guess, but you, you definitely got the feeling that we were the better side, and... Um, you know, I guess, you know, we talked about how disappointing that Stoke result was uh, in, in some ways, but also kind of realistic that Stoke is a really hard place to win. I, I think that this nil all draw perhaps feels a little bit more, uh, you know, difficult to accept or the chances that, you know, we bemoan missing, um, as, you've, as you've already mentioned, but also the fact that it was at home against the team that, uh, you know, I guess you would have fancied. I know we, we were both pretty confident in our predictions uh, heading into the game and, I think on the the balance of play, like uh, they seem like it was pretty fair fair predictions to have. And on another day, you can easily see how that game ends up, you know, one nil, two nil, um, with some of those chances that you missed uh, that were missed. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I cast my mind back to the QPR games, probably a good example where we win that one three nil. But all three of the goals, um, either against a run of play or, or very much sort of made out of nothing. Um, and you think on another day we get a, a 3-0 scoreline against Preston in this one and everyone goes, wow, what a great performance, you know, heading in the right direction. And I think sometimes supporters let the result kind of um, dictate their mood or their perception of the performance. And I think you're right, like, you know, we should be putting aside like Preston away and and, and on another day we probably do. And you just sort of have to look at it and say, I think as Rosinia said um, on mm. a few occasions, it's that consistency of performance that over time will um, we'll see that consistency of results come through. Yeah, a, a remarkably optimistic uh, post-match interview from Rosinia, I thought, uh, given the fact that, you know, we do it ourselves. Uh, certainly, I uh, would say that we're a club that has no strangers to, um, you know, grim fans who, who look for doom and gloom, uh, you know, straight away. And I think this, as we said, it was a disappointing result in the sense that we didn't come away with the three points, which was certainly there on offer. But, yeah, I think Rosinia's got a point. And, um, you know, it's, it's it's good to remember that, that the team is still playing, you know, quality football. It feels a little bit difficult to kind of accept at the moment, given that it's been sandwiched into two nil all draws and uh, and a disappointing away loss to Norwich. But overall, like like the gaffer said, he was really impressed with the with the performance and the and the quality of the performance. And all it was really doing was was lacking that finishing. I mean, if in ten weeks' time we're we're thinking about all of the things that you know went wrong, and we're able to just say it was the finishing, but our football was pretty quality uh, as far as the performance goes. Um, you know, that's a pretty good place to be in, considering that was our identity problem at the certainly the beginning stage of the season, where we, we got off to a flyer, and then uh, you know really really died um, before the the World Cup break, and 
um, and found ourselves, you know, languishing down the, the bottom end of the table. So I think that's just really well worth uh, keeping a perspective on. And I think that somewhat settling to hear Rosinia speak the way that he did um, and not come out with the dire, oh, well, our season's over, kind of, uh, which I know was the sentiment echoed from many of the fans. Yeah, I feel like it's a it's a broader issue than just City these days. You look at, I mean, you know, some will say that it was um, a, a fair decision to sack Neil Critchley at, at QPR after 14 games. Um, and I think Rosinia said it himself in the post-match. If he wins five games in a row, he's the best manager in the league and everyone's, you know, lapping at his feet. If he loses five games in a row, he needs to be out the door the next instant. Yeah. So um, it's a cutthroat industry at the moment. And, and I think it's only it's only getting more and more short-term. We're We'll talk later. We were talking before the episode about some of the long-term vision of the owners, which is really great to see. Um, but I think it's a really level-headed approach from Rosinia, and I really hope that the club's owners um, and supporters in general are seeing that, as you say, we were, we were you know, on the on the edge of the relegation zone a couple of months ago, and the fact we're now sitting here disappointed um, to only take a point against Preston that we're, you know, so you know, six or seven points off the playoffs. You can. Um, I guess you know there's there's always going to be a shifting of goalposts or a shifting of um, aims for the season. You know you, you kind of escape relegation. You go, what's next? We want to we want to make the playoffs, and you kind of keep setting the bar higher. But I think you at the same time don't want to set the bar higher and then and then get overly reactionary if we don't meet those increased expectations. Yeah, absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. I think everything that uh, that you've talked about is is certainly a, a great assessment of where we find ourselves and. Um, you know, I guess the the long term, uh, you know, plan for City is we're committing to a manager who is someone who is, you know, uh, has his heart on his sleeve and he's very committed to the the cause of Hull. And and if you consider the you know the the management or the the front office as well, they seem to be for the first time in a long time very unified in the way they're approaching the club. It it seems like there's some really good planning, but it's certainly that of a far longer term view as as opposed to a very you know quick. Um, short-term promotion push um, although I mean you could make a case given the investment in player but yep. there is clearly um, a, a really uh, obvious search for an identity as a football club as opposed to uh, you know just kicking and hoping as far as you know the next season goes and I think that's a really important point that you mentioned because it's something that we haven't seen for for a very long time um, at City um, you know certainly yeah. in our time being fans that's it. Um, on the player front for this game, there were four changes. Um, one of those was um, Seri, who who we've heard now is probably out for the next month. Um, I, it doesn't. It's not as bad as it first sounds because I think there's an international break in there, so I think it means he'll miss something like three games. Although um, with these, you never really know how long they'll end up out for. Um, and we got confirmation as well that Aaron Connolly is out for four to six weeks, um, which just it just feels like it's such a frustration that we're just not able to see our attacking talent all on the pitch at the same time this season. And um, I'm sure Ajun and Tan must be so frustrated um, just through the sheer uh, unluckiness of it that they've, they've invested so well and so heavily in, in that attacking talent and we just aren't seeing the best of it on the pitch at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. It's got to be frustrating. And I think the, the irony in that is that it was maybe only a, a week or two weeks ago we sat here talking about all the players coming back and how we can't wait to see, you know, the the selection headache for Rosinia and how it pans out. So, um, you know, maybe in some ways we might have cursed that uh, the the playing ranks and the, the arsenal of attacking power that we did have at our disposal. But, um, yeah, as you mentioned, it is frustrating, but it is 
as we know, part of part of football and certainly part of a championship season that is a long and grueling one. That's it. Um, on the more positive front, then we we did see Xavier Simons come in um, as we talked about on Friday. I'd I'd like to think that was um, Rosie listening to the episode and and, and listening to our suggestion um, and looked absolutely fantastic while he played as well. So it was it was great to hear from Rosie after the game that he's um, supposedly signed on a permanent deal now, which which was great news. Um, and I thought he put in a terrific display. Yeah, I thought he was fantastic. Um, I, I thought that. Just given the fact that, you know, we had obviously given him our blessing to to take the field on the podcast last week, um, you know, to speak it into existence and watch the the way that he went about his business was um, was really impressive. And I guess it's somewhat interesting because, as you mentioned, with the Seri injury, uh, now we're going to be forced to, to look at a new, you know, central partnership um, regardless, which, you know, is... Uh, it's fascinating whether it's the right one or whether it's the one that we we called for it. It's going to be a test of of our depth, but um, yeah, the as you mentioned, the permanent signing is a is a really pleasing one and a player who uh, you know who really looks like he does have a, a bright future ahead. Uh, yeah, and, and I guess the other player who started and um, I thought was one of his best games for us so far was um, Ozan Tufan playing. Um, I thought initially he was sort of playing out wide, but then he, he did seem to come through the middle a bit as well. Um, really busy, uh, you know, snatched a few of his chances and, and probably could have done a little bit better with them. Um, you know, there's the the controversy, I, I say hesitantly, around the penalty decision. I think Rosinha was very insistent on it being a penalty. I think that's probably a manager backing his player. Um, but look, look, I thought overall it was a, a good display from Tufan. Yeah, absolutely. I thought again, it's uh, it's just always that that thing that he does kind of feel like he he has that little bit extra class, and um, you know, on his day, uh, I know that that sounds like a very cliche statement to say, but he, he really does when he's fit and um, you know confident and playing confidently in the in the championship. I just I think he he would probably be one of the players that you would look for like the, the kind of team of the season, but it's just a matter of of playing the minutes and making sure that he strings you know, the performances together uh, because when he's on form, he is, uh, he's an incredible player to watch. Yeah, that's it. Um, well, I'll, I'll give my votes first and then I'll grab yours um, for this one. Um, I, I couldn't look past Simons for the three votes. I thought he was um, really impressive on display, on debut, I should say. Um, uh, looked really good, really sharp, um, pretty much the same sort of player that we saw in that Fulham game when he did uh, play his other start for us. Um, I really hope it's a good sign of things to come for him and that um, Rosie can trust him to to start the game on the weekend against Bristol City. As, as you said earlier, with um, Seri out injured now, that does open up a spot for him potentially in the starting lineup. And I think he's the uh, style of player that we've potentially been missing a little bit. So um, really positive from him. Um, I gave the two votes to Tufan. As, as said, I think it was one of his better games for us. I thought he was really busy um, and contributed a lot to the general play, which was um, really pleasing to see. Um, and I gave one vote to Oscar, who I thought after um, a couple of comments from us last week about him being a little bit quiet against Norwich, I thought he had a really sharp display in this one. As I said, he sort of set the tone with that early flicked on header for um, Pelkus and um, really put himself about, really got involved in the play, which was uh, really pleasing to see. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think that that's a, a, a pretty, uh, you know, <clears throat> A pretty stock standard, like uh, you could almost throw a blanket over uh, the field for for one point. But I think that's a good shout. I do think Oscar looked far more lively. Uh, I had Simon's as my uh, my three points as well. Um, I had two for uh, for two fern, and then 
in a in, and as I said, a, a kind of blanket over the field type race. I thought McLaughlin had another uh, sneaky solid performance. I know it was another clean sheet. Um, clean sheets always feel much better when we, we get on the score sheet as well. But I uh, just I think just building on the the kind of form that he's been showing lately, he didn't do anything to harm his stock. So uh, I'll keep his momentum going and give him the one. Well, it's, it also provides a great segue if we're talking Irish players. We can now talk Irish mm-hmm. clubs. Um, we did see the news sort of break overnight or in the last 24 hours. Um, there's been a few rumours for a while now that Ajun's been looking at buying another club to add to, to the network of clubs, which seems quite a popular sort of strategy these days for, for club owners. Uh, with Dundalk FC in the League of Ireland um, rumoured to be of interest. Um, very, very early, very sort of... Um, I guess, rumour-based news, this one, um, so not a whole lot to to say on it. But I guess it's a positive, as we were sort of alluding to earlier, that the club owners look at um, look to have a long-term future for the club and they're looking at it sort of, um, I guess, grounding the club's infrastructure and, and assets in a really positive way. And um, we were saying before the episode, I mean, I guess the big positive out of this is it, it gives that opportunity to bring in younger players Get their work permits um, at a at a Euro- European club and uh, and come into the club a lot easier that way. Yeah, look, it certainly sounds like an interesting prospect. And yeah, as you as you mentioned, Alex, you and I have talked about this a little bit off air. But one of the things that I just keep coming back to that I think is really important to acknowledge is you know from the the somewhat trauma that still follows the city fans around given the the battles with the with the alums over the last few years and just basically a um, you know a club at war with its owners to to be sitting in a position now um, you know in the 12 months on uh, and and really being able to speak into uh, a, a new front office that that is looking to develop the club in in such a long-term way and invest in you know the future of it um, is just such a refreshing change. I, I mean, I think sometimes if uh, certainly how I felt when I came across this news is it, it's almost so foreign that you don't really know what to make of it. It's almost one of those things that if it seems too good to be true, then it probably is. Um, and so you kind of meet that with a little bit of um, healthy reservations about what's actually going on. But then when you come back to the simple fact that you've got not just the front office who seem to be willing to invest in the club, but also a front office that have a very healthy respect for the fans. And certainly in what we've seen of Ajun and, you know, the transparency with Kessler and just the way that they they speak. And then I guess hiring Resinia as the as the manager, it, it seems like they're they're making really helpful steps in the other areas to kind of solidify. Not only are we going to go forth and, and do these kind of, you know, I say like crazy science experiments or, or brainwaves where they've got these new projects to work on. But it's not like they're just going off and, and doing them without any foresight. It seems like it's very calculated, it's very measured, and at every single step of the the way, um, it seems to be be a team push. It seems to be um, you know this this unified approach where we want all parties on board. And I think that's just a, a fantastic um, way to to kind of view the future of City. Um, there's some really positive prospects ahead. And I think it gives us a, a huge reason and cause to be optimistic about what we're seeing. And that's a, you know, a, a far cry from from how we were this time last year. Yeah, that's it. And I, I, I sort of look with um, increasing interest at the recent visits of, um, I think it's Urat, Urat Milka, I think is his name, the Turkish billionaire who's clearly a friend of Ajun and, and been in attendance at a few games and 
Um, I think Tan and Ajun have talked about um, looking at getting his investment into the club. And I look at, you know, with all due respect to Ajun, um, I think his net worth is something around 100 million euros or maybe maybe 200 million euros, something like that. It's not uh, it's not the sort of wealth that you think could um, afford to sustain two European clubs. So so may, it may well mean that he's getting that sort of backing from um, from other sources in Turkey, which would be really positive. Um, and you sort of hope that you, when you look at this sort of stuff, that it's done with um, sort of I guess um, the foresight and the insurance that we're not sort of gambling our future on, on this sort of thing. But as you said, it's um, a real positive if it does go ahead. That um, it's it's exciting and it's it's as you say it's almost like you know playing a game of football manager or something where you think these sorts of things don't happen with a club like city and so you sort of approach it with a dose of healthy skepticism but um until it happens i guess we'll we'll wait and see yeah it's a it's a very interesting uh you know prospect given the fact that i i think we will probably uh, i don't know the correct facts allegedly on the market or one of the longest for sale clubs in <laughs> the history of world football um because I know that 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 saga went on for for so long, but you know, from all reports, we were up for sale. So, to to think about that, to what the what the future looks like, it's a um, it's a stark contrast. Yeah, that's it. Um, cool. Okay. Well, let's do a quick round of who am I, and then we'll move on to our Bristol City preview. Uh, we'll see if you can get it after one clue. I don't think this one will be as um, as easy to get after one one clue, but we'll see how you go. Um, okay, so I made 54 league appearances for City and I scored two goals. Hmm. 54 league appearances. So we're looking at uh, probably one to one and a half, potentially two seasons with injuries, two goals. Hmm. It's either a, a very out-of-form striker, a, a midfielder not known for goals, or a defender. Uh, two goals. Mm, that's I'm actually sad. surprised looking at this that, that he only got two goals for us, if that's any indication. Yeah. And also I'm surprised at the league appearances. I thought I, both of those I think are a lot lower than I thought they'd be. But, am, I, yeah. am I allowed to ask if it was a loan spell? Uh, he was a permanent signing. Okay. No, I, I'd love to just throw a Hail Mary, but I I've, I've, don't even have a name that I could no, put out no. for that. I, I joined City in 2014. I left in 2017 after a loan oh. spell with Wigan, and I am English. Oh. A loan spell at Wigan. Jeez, this is a... It's it's hard when you get these questions and you have to think how long ago 2014 was, like reminding you of the seasons. But I'm trying to think Wigan players. I feel like, uh, well, Powell was Powell was a Wigan player. Um, oh, who else could there have been that was Wigan related? Mm, yeah, I. So 2014. Oh, if this, it, it, oh actually. I think I know this one. Uh, maybe not. Uh, Maynor Figueroa is. Oh, it's a good. It's a good guess. I, I it's like, not. I feel like he was. He was from Wigan. Yeah, no, that's a good guess. It, it wasn't Maynor Figueroa. So, it, 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 if it helps, I'll say. So, 2014 was our second Premier League season under Bruce, um, and then 2017. I feel like. I feel like he would have left after relegation under Silver, but did not play in the mm-hmm. Championship for us under Slutsky. Um, 
but that's okay did you want to have another guess or i can give you the next clue yeah give me, the next, next, give me the next yeah, clue so I, I played at center back and wore the number five played at center back wore the number five for me oh I, I would let you i would tell you the club he went to actually what i'll do i'll, I'll give I'll, t- I'll give you the club we signed him from that I feel like is okay. less of a clue than the club we sold him to. So we signed him from Sheffield United. Okay. So there's a couple of players um, that could be, so I'm not giving it away, I don't think. I feel like the biggest clue here should be war the number five. Two goals. Mm. And only 54 league appearances. This is it's 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 deceptive. I'll say Sheffield that. Sheffield United. Mm. Yeah, this has stumped me, and it's—I know it's going to annoy me. Um, I'm trying to think of another clue I can give you because the initials will give it away. Um, so I currently play in the Premier League. Oh, uh, this—I'm trying to—I'm struggling with the Wigan Wigan connection, but so he, he was he, so so maybe 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 it was uh, so he was on loan at Wigan from us, like we didn't sign him from Wigan. Okay. Um. So he was on loan at Wigan. I think it was of his first season with us, and he currently plays in the Premier League. Yeah. Okay. So it's not Harry Maguire. That whether whether it is, it is oh. 50, 54 league appearances seems really low for Maguire. Fifty four league appearances and, and the two goals. And I remember because oh. he scored against Borough, and I'm scoring against Borough like, in that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that's that stumped me. Yeah. The Wigan, the Wigan was the thing that threw me off. Um, because he was on loan there second yeah. half of that season. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think because that's it. Because I feel like he would have scored more goals than that because I know there was that Borough one and I'm sure he must have scored maybe, I guess, one in the championship maybe. Yeah. Um, but only 54 because Robertson played like 100 appearances for us and they obviously signed at the same time. Um, yeah. yeah. I think it's the number five. That's the, that's the one that I should have got. The fact that I that I missed that clue, couldn't pick it up. Yeah. If I'd said we'd sold him to Leicester, would that have given it away or not? Maybe, but I think the thing that is, uh, yeah, definitely. I think if you had said Leicester, but the thing that was uh, like so surprising to me, as you said, it's the, the 54 appearances because it felt like he was there for far longer. And I would have also suspected that he scored more goals than, yeah. um, from from his time. But, yep, very, very interesting. Fair play. There you go. Um, it sounds like a really underwhelming uh, like rap sheet for, for someone who, you know, became – one of the highest uh, highest transfer fees in the Premier League for a defender, if not the That's most. It. So, um, yeah. you know, 54 appearances, two goals, a relationship with Wigan, you're kind of like, eh, doesn't yeah, seem yeah. that impressive. But, you know, fair play to Harry Maguire. And, uh, Absolutely. He's obviously um, gone on to some extreme heights. That's it. Uh, well, we'll talk Bristol City now. So it's um, a replay of that first game of the season where we got the last-minute winner um, with a yep. Seri goal from outside the box to beat them. Um, in in pretty reasonable form themselves, I think they knocked Norwich off the game before we played them, um, and they've only got two defeats in their last 10 games, so really similar run to us. Um, still managed by Nigel Pearson, of course, as well. Um, but it's, it's, it's another one of those sort of cluster of games, like the Preston game, where I sort of look at it as... It's a team sort of around us in the table. They're very much similar sort of capabilities and resources to us. Um, it's it's just a game that we need to be winning if if we want to if we if we're serious about and if we're 
um, still really aiming for the playoff places. It's a game that we need to be putting away. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the gap now, I think it stands at maybe six, uh, well, maybe seven points. And I think it's, and then I yeah, guess, I think it's seven now. Yeah. And then I think if you factor in our goal difference, we're kind of looking at a at an eight-point deficit. So, like, as you said, I think that the, um, you know, the realistic expectations have probably changed since uh, where we had maybe, uh, you know, placed them ahead of the Norwich game and the fact that we we didn't take uh, more points against Stoke and certainly the the Preston game. So, yeah, as you mentioned, it's it's kind of one of those games now where, yeah, they, we have to be winning and we have to really put together a string of wins. I think that uh, that's probably the... You know, the thing is, the closer the the fixtures kind of get towards the end of the season, if you haven't made up that ground and teams above you, you know, keep winning and, and going on runs of form of their own, like that that does become a pretty, um, you know, insurmountable uh, mountain to climb, so to speak. So, yeah, look, um, I really do hope that we're able to frustrate Nigel Pearson as much as we did uh, as his post-match press conference from uh, from the first day of the season. I think I've never seen a more, you know, utterly bemused and bitter man uh, in, in a conference than he was that day. And it was, uh, you know, delightful to see. So let's hope we can, uh, you know, share in, in the same sentiment and give him another taste of that. But, yeah, look, as you said, it, it almost feels like a free hit game. I think that we're, we're not really in trouble of relegation. Uh, we're, we're stuck in that kind of mid-table limbo land. Um, it's amazing what a couple of victories can do and, um, you know how much the momentum shifts towards the end of a season when you you do have that the championship you know race and I mean we remember you know some some famous seasons where we're, certainly when you're sitting up in the top half of the of the table or the top six the results towards the end of the season are crazy. There's no such thing as a winnable game and it doesn't matter where teams are around you. Um, you know the nerves kick in and and all sorts starts to happen. So. Yeah, it's this next period is a really crucial one if there is any hope. And starting with this game, we, we have to take three points or I think certainly um, it would be not doable. Yeah, I think for the sake of this podcast, we don't want the uh, end of the season tailing off and, and having not a whole lot to look forward to or uh, to talk up if we're sort of just stuck in that mid-table um, group of teams. Mm. But yeah, no, you're right. Like you look at the next five games, it's Bristol City, West Brom, Coventry, Burnley, Reading. Um, you think that's a pretty crucial run of fixtures where if you can get sort of two to three wins out of that group and that's, you know, there's a West Brom side there who've got one win in six. So as you yeah. say there, in terms of form going out the window, anyone can beat anyone at the moment. Um, yeah. You think if you pick up a couple of wins there, all of a sudden that conversation shifts again. Um, but yeah, big, big three points to be taken against Bristol City this weekend. Um, in terms of changes for the side, I, I guess I'm sort of trying to think. I, I'd, I'd almost just roll out the same 11 again. I can't think of any obvious changes to be made. Well, that's the I guess there's the four Seri change, that, you know, knowing that um, that he's not fit, uh, that that will make make things interesting. Um, but, yeah, as you said, I think the, the obvious one is you probably, you know, Simons will – Will almost almost certainly start given his his performance. Um, uh, there may be something funky happen in the midfield, but I think that you know both Tufan and um and, and Simon's probably you know pick themselves. Um, maybe, maybe yeah. Tete up front yeah. for Longman, I guess. But Long, I yeah, Tete, Long, Longman's not even one that we mentioned in the in the review, but I thought he had a, a pretty reasonable he was, game. He was handy. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, that's, that's something something along those lines. And probably, I think if there is some, is going to be any changes, it's most likely going to be in the midfield. And um, 
you know, I, I don't think it's it's going to be a, a revolutionary change. I don't think we'll see anything like four changes. I think it'll be almost a straight stop, swap for Sarri and we'll see a similar lineup take the field. Yeah, that's it. Um, score prediction for this one? Well, I mean, I went 2-0 for Preston last week and I was bitterly disappointed because I just there's no way I didn't see goals being scored in that game. Uh, let's. I, I feel like let's go with the deja vu theory. I'm going to stick to 2-0 and hope that this is a, a very uh, very pleasing outing for us. Yeah, because it's at their place, isn't it? And we, we, we've been, apart from that Norwich game, we've been very strong away from home. So I'll, I'll probably join you there. I'll say a 2-0, two, two maybe a 2-1, um, just to mirror that opening day win. Um, but as we were saying, it's a game we've, we've really got to be winning, so going to have to back us for the win in that one. Um, okay, well, that's just about it. So thank you for joining me for this one, Logan. My pleasure, Alex. I'll uh, probably see you tomorrow to do it all again. <laughs> that's it. At this rate, it's getting closer and closer together, but uh, that's the way. Um, and thank you, everyone, for listening in to another episode. We'll be back next week to review that Bristol City game and look ahead to the next few fixtures. But until then, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast, The Tigers Down Under. For more discussion, join us on Facebook at the Hull City AFC Australia Facebook group, or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber Black. There's no turning back cause you're